Have you ever started a healthy habit, kept it for a season, and then dropped off doing it? Have you ever kept a habit for the amount of time it's supposed to take an established habit to form, and then you still stop doing it? Or have you ever been frustrated with your ability to keep a habit for some time, but then you feel like you always end up backsliding on it later, no matter how hard you've worked at it? If so, you are not unlike both me and my clients whom I work with. Habits are the key to health, and for those of us on a health journey, we want to develop and keep new habits to give us energy, focus, and the power that we want in life. But if habits are so good for us and we're able to start them up and maintain them for some time, why are they so hard to keep and so draining in the long run? On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the missing link between keeping a habit for weeks or months and making a habit for a lifetime. There's literally only one thing missing between having a habit that you can keep with willpower and keeping a habit that just continues to sustain itself. This makes the habit load a whole lot easier and not heavier. So I am so excited to bring this to you on today's episode. You guys ready? Let's jump in. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clinics clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, guys. So this episode's topic was actually inspired by a conversation I recently had with some friends of mine. And I love my friends. I hope you guys love your friends too, but (laughs) I just had a friend of mine who was like very blunt and she was saying, I really want to be able to keep this habit with healthy eating. And she wasn't asking me specifically, but she just kind of telling the group this thing she was really frustrated with. She's a mom and she wants to, she feels particularly motivated to both have a healthy body for the sake of being engaged with her family, but also modeling healthy eating to her children and her two daughters. Um, And she's also a healthcare professional. And so she's like, this is just ridiculous. Like, I know I have willpower. I um, and, and for her specifically, what she was dealing with was a problem of being able to start a habit and be able to continue it for a while. But then she said that some point in time, she would continue to 
stop that habit. Um, and that, you know, for her was just a mixture of, you know, eating more greens or eating less of certain types of food or less quantity of foods at certain times. And so, um, again, not client specific or anything that I was doing specifically, but just realizing that a lot of us are trying to develop habits to just have a better life and often can successfully create these habits for a chunk of time. And so this episode is really all about if you already have made a habit, if you know how to develop and keep a habit for some time, weeks, months, um, and then you always end up falling off the proverbial bandwagon, this is the episode that actually is going to talk about what's going on. What's the difference between a habit that you can keep for some time with willpower um, and enjoy and benefit from, and then a habit that you actually just fall off from, um, and, and it doesn't just continue on for the rest of your life. What's the difference between those two habits? There's really only one difference. And so if you are listening and you are interested in a podcast episode, that's more on making and keeping habits and also how to identify the most ha- powerful habits for you to cultivate yourself in yourself daily to have the biggest outputs and outcomes in your life. I would recommend episode 11 on the Better Belly podcast. It's called Five Things I Did Every Day in 2018 to Heal My Mind and My Gut. And I talk a lot about habits on that podcast episode. I recommend some different books and resources that you can look into on habits. But that's just a really phenomenal episode that gets more into the details of just developing a habit versus today's episodes more on making a habit a lifetime sustainable thing. Like it's just becomes part of who you are. So with that, I'm going to transition and tell you guys what's the difference between a habit that you can keep even for a long amount of time and a habit that you just can't stop doing, right? (laughs) That's really the difference between the mindset here that we, when we're thinking about a habit that we just want to be able to keep and a habit that we literally can't stop doing. And that is not, I'm not talking about compulsivity, (laughs) but what I'm talking talking about is something called identity, right? So when we have a habit that we just can't stop doing, it's something that maybe we miss every now and again. And one of my favorite examples is brushing your teeth, right? A lot of us have have integrated brushing our teeth um, in some rhythm or regularity. Some people, it's, you know, just in the morning, morning and night, after every meal. There's different reasons that we've developed a different brushing teeth habit, but there's some habit. And it's just something we don't even think about. We're not like getting out of the bed in the morning. I'm like, "Mm, am I going to brush my teeth? You're just going to brush your teeth. You're going to do it. Maybe you're groggy and drowsy and you don't feel great. You're not like, ooh, I'm so thrilled I'm brushing my teeth, but you do it anyways. And that's because the habit has been integrated with you. You actually have a harder time not doing the habit, or there must be a greater amount of of input, like intense (laughs) tiredness in the evening, or like you just don't have a toothbrush or you're traveling, just lack of access to water. There has to be some intense, crazy force outside of you that is going to stop the habit, but generally you're not going to be the one who stops the habit. And so habits at their best form, they're not meant to be this grueling conversation that makes you feel bad about yourself. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Like I am somebody with my personality type that that habits can often be very discouraging. I don't like talking about them because I'm never measuring up to my own expectations. However, actually at the base of them. And one of the reasons that I've become passionate and enjoy the conversation on habits, even though historically they've caused me maybe more anxiety or frustration or self-disappointment than I liked, um, is because habits, like I said, they they are an acting out of who we see ourselves to be, right? So they're integrated as a part of who we are. They're a part of our identity. And you're going to hear me kind of transitioning these different words of integration and identity. Um, Identity is going to be the biggest thing though today, as far as when you brush your teeth, for example, you brush your teeth for a reason. And not necessarily because your mom told you to do it when you were four years old and you just have been doing it ever since. But maybe you brush your teeth because you consider yourself a clean person or you consider yourself a responsible person or you brush your teeth. There's a, there's a reason underneath it and it has to do with identity, right? Um, some people might brush their teeth because they're a, they see themselves, I'm an attractive person and brushing my teeth is part of me maintaining my attractiveness, which that's fine. There's there's actually no judgment behind what identity is is holding up this particular habit. But the truth is, is that it actually is more painful to not act out this identity of brushing your teeth because it it ends up doing what I say, doing violence to the identity underneath it. So um, maybe you even just brush your teeth because you have the identity of, I am someone who brushes my teeth. And if you don't brush your teeth, you ha- then cut off that identity and and there's there's this sense of dis-ease actual, actually in the body that says, why am I not brushing my teeth? I'm, I'm someone who does that. Um, that is part of me acting out my identity. And so this is the nature, the purest form and the purest nature of a habit is merely something that you do consistently because it's a part of an enactment of who you see yourself to be. It's an, an, an enactment of your personal identity. You know, some other Uh, habits that you or other people might engage with. It's like I have clients who dye their hair every six weeks. And while I don't have this conversation with all of my clients on why they dye their hair, there could be different reasons for that. So the habit is I dye my hair every six weeks. But behind that, the identity might be I dyed every six weeks because I'm an orderly person. I dyed every six weeks because kind of going back to another one, like I'm an attractive person or I'm a responsible person or whatever it is. Um, Maybe you have a habit of submitting work projects on time. And there's going to be an identity behind that because I'm a responsible person or I'm a trustworthy person or I'm an important person on my team. I'm a high ranking person. There's again, this identity that would make it actually harder to not enact, you know, in this case, submitting a work project on time than to do so, even though um, maybe to submit it on time, you have to stay up extra late or you have to do extra hours, but it is a part of the enactment of your identity and it would feel worse to not do that. 
Um, similarly, maybe you buy a certain brand because you're a frugal person or a wealthy person or you're environmentally conscious and you wouldn't not want to buy that brand or you wouldn't buy a different brand because that brand might actually make you sick to your stomach because it it doesn't, doesn't cooperate with the identity that you have for yourself. So truly integrated habits have an identity backing them up or they're grounded in that identity. So at the end of the day, you kind of know if a habit is truly integrated with you, if it feels odd to, for example, not brush your teeth, or it feels odd to not eat a certain food for breakfast, or feels odd to not play music in the shower because you're someone who plays music in the shower. Again, this isn't going to say that you're always going to do these things or that you're lacking willpower. You probably don't think I lack willpower if I'm not brushing my teeth. You just think I'm traveling or there's a weird circumstance or I forgot to pack my toothbrush or whatever it is. Um, And so no one is generally wrenching your arm to do the things that you most habitually do uh, because they are, again, part of yourself and part of doing them makes you feel better about yourself as in, you know, everything from drinking coffee in the morning to uh, the foods that you do or don't eat to whether or not you hug your coworker when you see them. All those things. These are a part of integrating how you see yourself to be. And then I'm going to say it one more time just because I think it's so interesting is that to not act out these habits or to not act out the identity um, that, that then determines these habits will create a sense of violence to ourselves. So in an example in the health realm for this, for me, when I talk to my clients initially about maybe, uh, hey, we got a lab test result back and gluten is not great for you, um, or I got a lab test back regarding my own health and not only was gluten bad for me, but corn and rice and several other grains. And this was um after I miscarried my first child and before I try to get pregnant a second time. And right now I am right on the cusp of giving birth. But I found out that, you know, grains are not going to be great for me. And yes, it can be annoying for me to not be able to eat gluten and grains. It can be annoying for my clients to make that transition and say, what do I eat now? And how do I think about things? And what foods can I buy at the grocery store? What becomes my new normal? That transitional period can be difficult. Um, And I even, I've been grain-free for over a year now. And I even recently basically almost cried about it. Because my husband and I had a particularly hard time finding a restaurant to eat at as basically a last date before I give birth. And so the habit can be hard to keep. It can be frustrating. But I was never once tempted or thought, heck, I'll just eat some grains today. It just didn't even occur to me as an option. It it occurred to me that, yes, there's grains around me plenteously, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't a temptation or a, wow, this is, this is so hard because I had an identity that was rooted in my choice to, in, in this case, not eat grains. Um, so I'm not using some amazing sense of willpower. And I, this is not some secret power that I get when you, that you get when you become a health professional. We definitely don't have those, but this is me acting out a self-identity. So The big question becomes, how do you get your sense of your identity and your habits to sync up? 
So the key problem that we have when a habit is not sustainable or it just takes an incredible amount of willpower or we're kind of always bitter and frustrated about it, the key problem is that the habits don't have an identity that they are strongly rooted to. Either they have a very weak identity or a kind of wishy-washy identity um, or they don't have any identity at all. So uh, some examples of different identities that you might have that are both going to corrode or support different habits might be, um, I'm just this way, or I am responsible, or I am healthy, or I'm not healthy, I'm stuck, I can impact my health, I can't impact my health, I have hope, I'm frustrated, Um, I'm... All these different things can be going on underneath the surface when you're trying to make some healthy habits. So here is what you can do to make this transition. This is what I recommended to my friend, and she was interested in it, and I haven't heard how it went yet, but but she said she'd never heard of this identity thing before with habits. And that's, again, why I wanted to do this podcast episode because it's so life-changing. So grab a pen and paper, or you can grab your phone or something, but I encourage like a journal or again, something you can write with. And we are going to practice finding a habit and then finding the identity that pairs with it. And so we're going to start first with actually writing down a habit that you do keep. So you have your little sheet of paper and I want you to write down a habit that I do keep. And a lot of times for this one, I do recommend picking a habit that you feel is overall net positive in your life. <laughs> so don't get down on yourself yet. Don't, ah, uh, that the habit that I eat too much sugar. Nope, write down something that that is is you find positive in your life. And then I also think that this, when you're writing down and practicing finding your identity behind a habit for the first time, I love recommending people pick something that is maybe a little bit more unique to you. So not necessarily like I drink coffee every morning, but um, like I have a friend who, this might feel like sound extreme, but I just have a friend who runs at 6 a.m. every morning. And if you ask her why she does it, she's like, I just do it. <laughs> she's she's very straightforward. She's not using, she does have to use willpower sometimes, but again, it's the same willpower that you need to brush your teeth even when you're kind of groggy in the morning, right? To her, it's just, I just, I'm just someone who runs at 6 a.m. She probably has more identity behind that. However, um, that would be something that is very specific to her, something that's a little bit more unique um, and something that is a net positive gain in her life. So you could could pick brushing your teeth if you are curious. Why do I brush my teeth? What what identity might come up? Um, my example that I'm going to be talking about is I don't eat gluten or grains. And that's the habit, right? And then, so you have on your sheet of paper the habit that you've thought of that you do keep that would actually probably be more odd for you to not keep, right? Um, and then behind that, you want to brainstorm the identity fueling the habit. And notice that there is not going to be one right identity behind any single habit. You could have five people with the same habit, which I mentioned, for example, brushing your teeth, and have five different identities or kind of reasons underneath that for each person, 
to do that. Like I'm someone who has good smelling breath. I'm somebody who is attractive. I'm somebody who's responsible. They have kind of different core things motivating them. And, and for them to find out what those things are, it's more about just being honest with yourself and having a sense of what, what feels right. What does your spirit resonate with? What do your emotions resonate with as you're thinking through, why do I do that thing? What's fueling it? Like my husband, um, he, consistently, he always historically has found the best day for him to refuel on gas in his car. And he'll do it the same day every week, no matter how full or empty it is. Uh, It's very interesting to me. I have never considered having a habit of filling up my car on the same day every single week, no matter how full or empty it is. But he has this habit that he does it. And I've never asked him what his identity is behind it or kind of what's fueling it. But he does it so consistently. I think he would be more irritated to not fill it up. And and sometimes he doesn't uh, for one reason or another. And he is a little irritated. <laughs> like, yeah, that's why I keep that habit. <laughs> um but yeah, so you can write, take your habit that you wrote down that you do keep and then brainstorm. And if you need to write down several things, see what matches up the most. Why? What's this identity that's fueling um, the this habit that I've written down? Uh, so for my example, I already shared that I don't eat gluten and grains. And when I really thought about it, uh, and kind of gave myself just a few moments to say, what resonates? What is driving this incredible feat many people consider? I'd say I consider it an incredible feat to not eat grains. It's incredibly annoying. Um, What is this thing that makes me so steady at it that makes me not even flinch or really consider ever breaking it? And the identity that I came up with, the the words that came, rose up in my mind were I keep my body and my daughter's body, who's currently in my body, healthy through food choices. That's it. I have an identity inside of myself that says I keep my body healthy through food choices. I probably have some other identities that are very similar. Like I keep, just I keep my body healthy period, is probably a very, very strong, developed identity that I have underneath the surface. Now, that has not always been an identity I've had, and it's been something that's developed over time. And that's a little bit outside of today's conversation. We're looking for identities that are already developed and present. Um, But that is is something that is the that's the main thing fueling my habit of not eating gluten or grains and then lastly we're going to talk about next on the exercise writing down a habit you do want to keep or have kept in the past but kind of have like struggled with like i like go on and off maybe it's alcohol maybe it's sugar um i know food can just be a really big thing so i mentioned several food things here But um, write down a habit that you want to keep. Maybe it's you want to go to bed an hour earlier, but you still feel like you need willpower to enact it. So what you'll want to do is actually this part is two steps because you have an identity currently fueling um, the habit that you're not keeping or it's eroding the habit you're 
it, it depends. Is this a negative habit? Like I stay up late. I don't want to stay up late. Or is it a habit that you want to keep? So I want to um, eat more vegetables or I want to run at 6 a.m. every morning. <laughs> Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. However, you want to be figuring out what's an identity that's holding you back from that habit shifting in your life. That's the first step. What's the identity that's holding you back? And then what new identity, this will be the second step, what new identity can you root your habit to that's going to replace it? And I'm actually going to spend some a bit of time now talking about this last step because we've already practiced in the exercise. First, identifying a habit you keep. Second, identifying the identity that fuels that habit that just makes it you wouldn't even consider not doing it. That's how much integrated, how integrated it is in your personhood. And then now we're getting to this more interesting part of you have something you do or you don't do um, that you wish is not the case, that you still need to use willpower if, if you're going to change what happens on a day-to-day basis. Um, you f- identify the identity behind that habit and then you're going to replace it with a new identity. So here is an example of, of going through that process of, of, um, identifying an identity that is, is fueling negative, negative habits. So in my history, I was a very angry person. (laughs) Everyone's always surprised by this and you might not necessarily know that or pick up on it, whether or not I was still an angry person on a podcast. But when I was in high school and middle school and even college, I just struggled a lot with anger problems. I was a very explosive person. And my first boyfriend that I ever had who in college, after we broke up and we were kind of discussing like what happened in the relationship and I was trying to learn from it, he told me that he felt like I was a minefield. And this was, I'm so, I can't believe, like, I, I think I almost definitely cried when he told me this, but I can't believe also how well I took it in some ways, because I really took it to heart uh, and, and wanted to figure out why am I this way. So I still can't believe I had the maturity to do that, but told me I was a mindful and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, you'd be walking on this, you know, beautiful prairie thinking it's a completely normal sunny day. And then suddenly a bomb goes off under your feet and you had no idea it was about to happen. I was like, oh my gosh, that actually does sound like me. Even my felt experience of myself. I was like, that's actually kind of accurate and I'm not proud of it, but, but yeah, I, I could see that being a problem relationally and so I started really delving in my college years of why, why do I have these anger problems? I've known they've been there for a long time. I know I tend to be explosive. And now I even have this like imagery of being a minefield. What's going on with my anger? And the identity I realized I had behind my anger, which really disempowered me from changing the habit, because I'm telling you, I really tried to not be explosive. (laughs) I wasn't like, I love being explosive. I'm so proud of it. Um, But I really felt behind my anger that I had no power over my anger. I felt like my anger owned me. And ultimately, the identity that I really felt like I could nail down, um, if I could just say it succinctly, was I I lack self-control and I am destructive. It was both of those things. So um, the habit was anger and explosiveness and kind of irritability, yada, yada. The identity behind it that when I paused and looked at myself was I lack self-control and I am destructive. 
Those are really, first off, heavy identities to be carrying around. So getting rid of that identity or, or transferring them uh, was, it's not necessarily going, wasn't necessarily fast. And I definitely had counseling going on at the same time in this period of my life. However, uh, I was not making very good progress with my anger because I still had this identity. It was like, well, I just lack self-control and I'm destructive. And I can sit here and talk positive things at myself all day. Like, you're not destructive. You can have self-control. It just wasn't working. I'm like, I if you inherently feel like you're lying to yourself with this quote-unquote positive thinking, you can repeat it so many times to yourself and you're going to be like, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. So I actually needed a more true identity, that, especially one that I already held about myself. It's going to be the fastest way to really erode some things. And I didn't know this at the time, but because I was committed to trying to deal with my anger, what I did is I went to the library and I found a book. And the one of the only good books I felt like I could find on anger was called Anger and Assertiveness in Pastoral Care. I went to a Christian college and so... Uh, the book was explicitly on pastoral care. So being like a pastor, but I was like, I'm going to read it anyways. I'm not a pastor. I just need to figure out what's going on with anger. And so in the book, it's like this 65 page book. One of the things it said about anger and emotions in general, so that is that emotions are more like nerve centers for our body. So in your skin, you have some tons of different nerves. You have nerves for heat, uh, so hot and cold. You have nerves for vibration. You have nerves for pressure. You have nerves, all sorts of different kinds of nerves, chemo uh, sensing nerves, so chemical sensing nerves, so like I think acidity, things like that. Um, but anger as a specific emotional nerve is the emotion of injustice. Whether that is felt or real, and, and by felt or real, I mean, you know, you can see a little kid get angry if they're like, you know, they they take a toy from the other kid and then the parent takes the toy and says, no, you need it. You know, you can't take that toy back. And then the kid gets angry. Well, the kid was actually being unjust themselves, but they are responding in anger because they're feeling an injustice that now is being incurred upon them. But so we're not going to get really into the in-depth stuff on anger. We might have, I honestly might create a podcast episode all on anger because I've studied it so deeply, but anger is at its root an emotion of injustice. And when I read this, I remember thinking, oh my gosh. I am justice driven. I already know this about myself. And that means that when I feel anger, I'm possibly responding to something that I'm probably responding to something that feels unjust to me. And what was most important for me is just figuring out what is worth getting angry about and how to then use that sense of injustice. If I am angry and I'm like, oh, something feels unjust in this moment, is anger the best way to solve it? Or is anger merely a really good, again, sensory that says, hey, there's something going on here. Why don't you pay attention? And so I suddenly had this incredibly new identity shift. It completely wiped out and replaced, I lack self-control and I'm destructive. I'm like, I'm not destructive. I'm justice driven. And I had this completely new energy to re-guide and channel my anger and it became a very different conversation with myself on how do I think of myself 
with my anger problems, I started thinking of myself in a very different way. And also, what do I do with my anger problems? Um, if I'm experiencing anger, what does it say about me? Uh, yeah, it doesn't say that I'm a jerk or I lack willpower or that I'm you know, inherently destructive and blow up everything around me. It means there might be something going on internally um, or externally that I want to evaluate and figure out what's the best way for me to deal with this. And I, it was a very different conversation with myself internally. It was very life-giving, all because I changed my identity be, and, and that changed how I could interact with this habit of being explosive in my anger. All right. I hope that all makes sense. I actually don't, I've never, I don't share that very often. And so I'm imagining you guys listening to that on the podcast. I'm hoping that all makes sense. Okay. So let's go back to your example. You have a habit written down that you are either having a hard time keeping or uh, it's a bad habit and you're keeping it too regularly. And you have sat there and thought, what identity is behind this. And for me, my anger identity that was, or the identity that was behind my anger was I lack self-control and I'm destructive. And that kind of just kept, you can see how I would act that out. And I strongly believed it about myself. And that perpetuated this habit of explosiveness and anger. And secondly, I replaced that anger, or excuse me, that identity with a new identity. So uh, I replace this identity of I'm destructive and lack self-control with I'm justice-driven. And that just completely changed the conversation. So you've written down some habit that you do or don't want to keep. And you have, you can even just pause the episode, think about what identity is possibly fueling this habit from either leaving or developing. If you are having a hard time with staying away from gluten and having a gluten-free lifestyle, what's the identity that's going on underneath that? Some of the most common examples that I hear from clients are, one, I'm making this up and gluten isn't really hurting me. At the base of that, you have an identity that says, I, I'm making this up. I make things up about my health and I'm making my life harder than it needs to be in my health because this is all in my head. So that's an identity that you can have. There's actually several identities kind of layered in there. You, there's also, and just to point it out, there, this is all in my head, right? Uh, another identity is that I deprive myself for no reason. I hear that from a lot of my clients when they're struggling with specifically gluten. Um, I'm depriving myself for no reason. And then another identity that I've heard several times uh, is eating gluten is how I socialize and connect with others, or I, I connect with others via gluten. And there's this identity that says, oh my gosh, if you, if you take gluten away from me, it's not about the gluten, it's about the socializing. It's about the relationship and connectedness. And so those identities, you could see why they would undermine any shift in eating habits, specifically with gluten. So you have a, a habit, maybe you eat gluten, uh, and then you just you want to discover your current identity that is is fueling that however frequently it's happening and then you replace it with the new identity and again when you are replacing an identity it's not necessarily an inherent opposite of your old identity so like i'm making this up or i make up problems about my health you won't necessarily create an opposite to that of i 
don't make up things about my health. (laughs) But maybe instead you can say you have a different identity of I am a healthy person and this helps my body be healthy. Now that does take some extra conviction. And what I find is that for a lot of our clients, there's a very big shift in how much gluten they eat once they have done a functional lab test and seen markers of inflammation that correlate with gluten sensitivity. And so instead of them saying, I'm making this up, they look at a piece of paper and it helps them shift their thinking and say, I'm not making this up. It's real. It's very real. It's in front of me right there. For a client of mine who struggled with eating gluten because it was a really strong identity that she held or was really strongly connected to her identity of like relationships and community, she actually had to dive into what are some of the things going on in her relationships and community that make her so unwilling to give that up. And actually, you can listen to her own story on episode 13 of the Better Belly podcast, and we'll link that in the show notes. But uh, it's my client, Abby Herman, and she talked about her experience of specifically for her not drinking beer. And she loved beer. She she personally was kind of like a connoisseur, enjoyed the flavor, but then she also drank it a lot in a social context. And so there was a really big shift and she had to go through her own identity shift as well to sustainably change that story and narrative. And not only do we have her episode 13 um, out in the past, we have an episode coming out with her one year anniversary from working with us and she's going to be talking about what it's been to what it's been like to stay gluten-free as well as what her health has been like since working with us in our foundations program so you guys can look forward to that if it's not already to the future it's going to be episode 96 or 97 something like that and you can check it out there but yeah so you you're going to have your habit you're going to have your old identity that is fueling that habit or making it hard for you to develop a new habit and you're going to have a new identity again not necessarily the opposite of the old identity but it should be true the best thing about this new identity you're going to replace it with is that it you already feel that it's true and that you resonate with it just like i said i'm justice driven i resonated with that immediately and knew that it was true and so you You might have, um, just like me talking about my clients seeing a lab and then knowing they had now have this new identity of like, I really am someone who's sensitive to gluten. That's an identity shift. So you can run a lab and do that. But you can also say, um, I do what I need to do to have an optimally healthy body. That might be the new identity. And if you're like, that is true of me, like I do what I need to do, then suddenly that gluten habit can attach to or the gluten free habit can attach to that identity or coming up with something like I can be social without gluten can also be something that goes on. But at the same time, again, just like my client Abby discovered, you, if you do make a big shift, for example, I can be social without gluten, and you do have community that that gathers around gluten-filled foods to be social, it may require either a really hard conversation with those people or it might require you to change friendships overall because sometimes when we have a big identity shift in understanding and acting out our identities we have other habits that need to change as well to complement the whole personhood and the good news here is that you become the more whole person you don't this isn't about just adding on more painful things for you have to do on your daily basis but it's about you 
being a healthier and more whole person, which is why you're listening to this podcast, right? You are seeking to have more wholeness in your life. So it's now your turn. You can go back to your habits that you wrote down in your journal. You have a positive habit that you regularly keep. You have a habit that you want to learn to keep just again for your lifetime with as much sustainability as possible. You want to listen to what identity or story comes up with that habit. So I do blank thing because, um, I will encourage you to avoid blaming. Don't say I do, I eat gluten or I stay up late because so-and-so does it. If you do hear yourself say this, I want to encourage you to instead ask yourself what identity is behind that rationalization of maybe it's I eat gluten because I do what's easiest for me in a given situation. and And this is not being judgmental. This is saying, Wow, maybe that's an identity that's underneath it. I, I'm, I was trying to be creative and think about what identities might come up. Um, or I eat gluten uh, because I'm someone who doesn't disappoint other people. That's great to not disappoint people, but is there something else that you could replace it with? Or um, what about disappointing yourself? There, So there can be more conversations that are had with that identity so that you can get a better, a better identity rooted with that habit. And then lastly, you replace your identity. So most useful identities to replace it with are something that you already see is very true. Um, again, my anger identity was very effective um, being replaced with I am justice driven because it was true. So yeah, guys, that is the episode on habit keeping and making habit, making a habit sustainable and easy to keep a light load something that you can keep for your whole lifetime. It's all about pairing a habit with identity. I hope that this episode was so helpful and insightful for you guys. I know it's something that I had never considered again prior to college definitely but it's something that once you've learned this trick it can really spur on both any habit development in general as well as can be applied to any habit that you're trying to keep for the rest of your life so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you have any questions after listening to this episode or have a question that you haven't heard us address on the podcast yet I want to invite you to submit a question to the Better Belly podcast. You can go to betterbellytherapies.com slash askallison or click the link in the show notes and click record and just ask your question right up front. You can leave your name and or email. You can ask anonymously and you may be featured on the Better Belly podcast. I would love, love, love to connect with you guys here and hear what's on your mind. What do you want answered? What are your hmm questions that you want to talk about. If you love this episode also, just know we have so much more coming down the line. So subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you thought of a friend while listening to this episode, I want to encourage you, take a screenshot, share it with that friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways you can stay in the conversation is by following us on on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners there and it means so much if you drop by and said hi. And as a reminder, our motto, miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. You are allowed to take time to develop your habits and change who you are. Just don't be afraid to ask for help. 
If you are ready for some help in your health, if you want functional lab testing, if you want someone to dive in with you on habit development, then I encourage you to join our foundations program waitlist. It is our virtual program available for all clients in the US and Canada so you can find the root cause of your gut health problems and start feeling better for life. I want to encourage you to sign up for the waitlist and I hope to see you as soon as I'm back from my maternity leave. Catch you guys later.